But this morning I want to go into the Word and as, as they bring the uh, our PowerPoint up for this morning, I, I, I hope that you can uh, have your Bibles with you. You do have your Bibles with you and that perhaps you uh using your iPhone or your iPad or or whatever else. I've, I've got to wear, uh, you know, I use this little gizmo for everything. Sometimes it gives me headaches, I must admit. Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, but I, I, electronically there's just so much it does, we can do with it. So whatever you use, whether it's pages, paper, or uh, if you're using an electronic device, always keep your word handy with you. This morning we want to go in the scripture, uh, into the Old Testament. And uh, in the Old Testament we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Now you're probably gonna say, "Man, I've heard this preaching." If you if you have your paper paper Bible with you, which I still like my paper Bible, by the way, that's my preference of study. But you may have a lot of notes written there. You may have notes that that maybe even I preached from here before, or maybe it's a former pastor, maybe it's an evangelist, and you have notes there. Uh, but I can almost guarantee you it's not going to be exactly like you've heard before. In fact, I hope that this is a fresh word for you this morning. I hope that it's a word that's going to touch your heart and touch your life and encourage you in this Thanksgiving week. Now, uh, Thanksgiving, we're, we're, Sarah and I were discussing this. We do a Sunday morning drive time video on my personal Facebook page. And uh, Thanksgiving, the holiday in itself is not necessarily found in Scripture. But the Lord calls us to be people of thanks, people of thanksgiving, people of worship, people of praise, people of giving God glory and honor. And that's what I'm going to be preaching to you about this morning. That This message I've entitled, A Whole Lot of Little. And I know when we look at the the, the illustration that's depicted up on the overhead, I, I know that really doesn't make, uh, it doesn't follow logic. It doesn't follow logic. Uh, there's a lot of things in life that don't follow logic. It doesn't necessarily mean they're right. But here's the thing about God. I want you to understand this. In the plan and in the person, in the personality of God, He doesn't always follow logic. In fact, we could say most of the time, God doesn't follow logic. And, 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 I, and I, that's just a God thing, because if God was always logical, we could figure Him out. And it's not meant for us to figure us out. There was a group of people in a town called Babel that built a tower and they, that tower was going to reach into the heavens and, and they thought they could find heaven. They could find the place of God and God came down and confounded their language so that they couldn't even communicate because God's not going to allow us to figure him out. I want you to know that. And we, you know, we used to sing that old song and it's a catchy old tune that for those of y'all that remember the old redback hymnals and, and, and we used to sing that song, uh, you know, I, I'd like to sit down and talk a lot, talk it all over with him or, or we'll understand it better by and by. But in the reality of things, when we get into the presence of the Lord, when we make our final destination and we enter into heaven, it's not going to worry me too much about why this happened and why that happened and why we had a pandemic and why the election didn't go like we thought it should went and all of this, that and the other. <clears throat> what we are going to find out is the splendor and the glory of God is going to overshadow any and everything that we can ever imagine but until then until then 
That would make a good song title, but somebody else, else already captured it. But until then, we're in this life. And a lot of things in the plan of God are not going to make a whole lot of sense to us. And that's what I want to preach about this morning, if you'll follow me. When we go into 2 Kings chapter 4, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets. That's pretty significant. A wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, your servant, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her. Actually, he asked a question. He said, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? The woman responds. She says, your servant has nothing there at all. Oh, wait a minute. Except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha says, then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her. She kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay the debts, you and your sons can live on what is left. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the worship that has in, encompassed this place this day, Lord. has filled this, this tabernacle, this place. We thank you for your glory that has appeared to us, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you for spirit and word together will bring us great victory today. So anoint us to deliver the word. Anoint us to hear the word today. And Jesus, we just praise you and give you glory and honor for all things we ask. We ask. In your name. I'm preaching to you this morning about a a whole lot of little. Now, Elisha was the successor of Elijah. Elijah, it was a man that actually fared with very little. He was the servant of God. He, But yet, God used him as the messenger during the time of famine. And Elijah, we find that, that he was watered. I think if you go to 1 Kings around chapter 17, you find there that Elijah found himself being watered by the brook of Kidron. And there he was fed by ravens. Here in West Virginia, we would probably call them buzzards. The buzzards fed him. It probably wasn't pleasant food. It probably wasn't, uh, it, they, the buzzards had not used hand sanitizer and they did not have a meat thermometer. 
if you would, but God made provision and God sustained Elijah. He from that point, he's sustaining when the brook dried up, Elijah goes over to a widow's house. There this little widow was had her son out gathering sticks and we find that that little widow said, I've got just enough meal and I've got just enough oil to make a cake for my son and myself. We're going to make that, we're going to eat it and then we're going to lay down and prepare to die. From starvation. Elijah said fix me the cake first. He said and then I'm going to bless your house. And you know the story. The oil, the cruise of oil never ran dry. And the meal barrel always had one more cup of meal in it. And then we find that. Elisha. Elisha was mentored by this man Elijah. So that leads me to believe and to assume that Elisha was being mentored by Elijah. And and if you know that story, it it says if you he said, "What can I give you?" And he says, "I want a double portion of your anointing." And and, and we know the story tells us that Elisha's responsibility was to keep his eyes on Elijah. In order to receive the double portion of the anointing. So we know he was following Elijah. We know he had his, his, his focus on Elijah. He saw his, his mentor, if you would, going forth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and carrying forth the will of God, even though he had little in the means of substance. You ever thought about that? He saw his, he saw his mentor and he became the successor of a man that had very little. Now this woman that we read about in, in 2 Kings chapter 4, she is the widow of a prophet. Elisha had a group of people, a group of ministers, because the Holy Spirit did not speak openly such as we know it now. Uh, uh, since we are post the day of Pentecost, there were prophets in the land. And Elisha had a group of prophets that prophesied and disclosed, if you would, or unveiled the, uh, the intentions and the will and the plan of God. One of those prophets had died and she, he had left behind this widow. This husband, we see from the scriptures, he had been a faithful prophet. And she even reminds Elisha, you know he was a faithful prophet. He was a prophet that was, that was upstanding. He carried forth the will of God. This prophet had, had, had been Faithful in all manners. But now his wife is widowed. She had taken on a widow status. That widow status had left her vulnerable to the elements of society. You see, it was much different in that day than it, than it is now. She was not, uh, if you would, she was not allowed to work a public job necessarily. She couldn't go to the local factory or the local McDonald's and find a job. She, that, that, this wasn't the culture of the time. Her, her only hope was actually in another man that would come along and take her and her sons and would marry her and, and, and take care of her. Evidently, 
certainly that has not happened to this point. So seemingly she has used everything that she has, everything that her husband, the prophet, had acquired and left her with, whether that was much or whether it was little, we don't really know, but everything that she has has been used up. Now that's not an unusual story in Scripture because in the New Testament we read about a woman that had an issue of blood and she had carried that that sickness in her body 12 years and she had spent everything she had and she still had not received her healing until she pressed through a crowd and she touched the garment of Jesus Christ and then she was healed and the only thing that she had left was just a little bit of strength in her. Now this woman, the, the, the wife of, of the deceased prophet, she finds herself in a, this very unseemly place. She can't pay her debt, the debt of her husband. She can't, she has used everything up, at least she thought she had, uh, except her two sons. And she was well aware of the practice of culture, and it was actually under the law of that time, that, that what would happen, the, the, the debt must be fulfilled. And, and because the debt must be fulfilled, the next thing to occur would be her two sons. They were probably young sons because they were not married. They Probably at the oldest were preteen. More than likely they were, they were, uh, they were eight, nine, ten years old. We can speculate on that. They weren't even fourteen, fifteen, or sixteen, or they would have been out working themselves. So we find these two sons are now subject to be taken by the, by, by the creditor, and he is going to put them into slavery. More than likely he is Simply going to sell them for a price. So this mom, this widowed mom, begins to reach out for help. She she speaks to Elisha. You see, Elisha is the chief of the prophets. Elisha is the the person that that her deceased husband had served under, if you would. Here in Scripture, in the Old Testament, because the Old Testament is full of, of typologies, as I call them, and symbols, and, and, and it's foreshadowings of what's to come. Here, we can look at this story, and in this story, Elisha is actually a type of, he's not the Christ, but he's a type of the Christ. He's a, he, he is the rescue. He is the only source that this woman really feels like she has now. This is the only place I can go to get help. This is the only person that I can reach out to. This is, she, she's down to her last straw. She's down, she has tied a knot to the end of the rope and she's fiercely trying to hold on with one hand at this point and she's reaching out to the man of God. And then the man of God turns around and responds to her request with a question. Actually, two questions. That question was, what do you have in your house? Come on, give me a break here. I just told you I'm broke. I just told you I don't have anything left. 
You know, I, I, I've, I've, I've read stories, uh, and maybe you have too, and some of you maybe can remember the remnants of the Great Depression that, that this country, the United States of America, went through back in the 1930s. But I, I, I can remember stories about, I, I remember, I've heard the story of how one family, one family, all of the boys in that family, they, they, they worked, there was three boys, they worked three different shifts, and they would only had one pair of work boots, and they would, they would, they would trade off boots as each one went, they met each other at shift change, and they changed boots. Share one pair of boots in the whole family. I've got my my great friend James and uh, has been here before. He's ninety four years old now. James said we were so poor over in Freeze, Virginia, the cotton mill town. He said if somebody hadn't come along and brought a newspaper, we'd have never even known there was a Great Depression. Yeah. We, we, we heard the stories of, of, of how, how moms especially, cause mothers are, mothers have just a different love than dads, okay? And this is not Mother's Day, but moms have a different, how moms would go hungry. Sarah, Sarah tells she's one of eight. She's one of eight children and she tells how that sometimes when they were younger that, that, that her mom would only eat if there was anything left after the eight children had eaten. This mom's down. She she said, "Are you?" I can picture in my mind at least her thought process saying, "Are you kidding me, Elisha?" I can I can I can in my mind I can I can see her thought process saying, "Bless God, my husband has served you as one of your prophets all of this time, and now you're looking at me and asking me what I have in my house, and I'm coming to you and I'm telling you." You know, I'm in need. My sons are about to be taken and sold for slavery. And you're saying, what do you have in your house? And then somehow, in her thought process, she says, "Uh, I don't really have nothing. But then she says, except just a little bit of oil. Just a little bit of oil. Just a little bit of oil. Let me tell you something about this oil. I'll, I'll come back to this a little bit later. But before I move on, let me let me tell you something about this oil. This oil was not Wesson oil. Okay, this oil was not uh, canola oil. Now, this oil may it probably did contain. Olive oil. But let me tell you something. When you flesh out the scripture and you look where this came from out of, out of the, out of the, uh, the original documents, if you would, out of the Hebrew, what you find is that this was speaking of anointing oil. It's speaking of anointing oil, which is therapeutic oil, which is oil that is used for medicinal purposes, therapeutic purposes. This was not oil for cooking Bread. It was not oil for making cornbread. It was not oil for frying up a big old pan of chicken. It, 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 it was it, there. This oil, if you would, is actually healing. Are you with me? 
This oil is actually healing. She said, and so what this woman was saying is that uh, I don't have any anything in my house. We don't have any. We have pulled the boards off. And, and I know a family that actually did this back in the 60s. I knew some of the some of the children. They actually they were so poor. They had a house with a dirt floor in it. They pulled the boards off the outside of their house just to burn in the wood stove just to have enough heat to keep from freezing to death. This woman was pulling the boards off the wall. This woman, she had nothing left. She said, except a little bit of oil. See what she was saying there. And she didn't even realize it. She was saying, except just a little bit of healing. There's just a little bit of healing left in the house. There's just a little bit of healing left over there on the shelf somewhere. And, and here's what happens. The answer to our question often lies within the means of what we already have. You see, oftentimes you and I have a whole lot of little and we fail to recognize how important the little is until God wants to intervene. I want to tell you what, we was talking about our hair. I, I, I was talking to Sister Sue about our hair. You know, she fixes her hair up all nice. And I told her, you know, I do my hair every day. I do my own hair, believe it or not. And, and, but, but right now I can feel it standing up on my head right now. Because what happens is God wants to take a whole lot of our little and God takes a whole lot. Remember that old song, little as much if God is in it. Yeah, and God wants to use our little to accomplish great purpose, great testimony, if you would. So what happens is we've got to fix our fickle. Not our sickle. But our fickle, because we get fickled. This woman was fickled because she was wanting to see an abundance of supply in her house. She was wanting money in her bank account. She was wanting the car to be fixed, or really, she probably just wanted a car. Period. She was wanting. She was wanting all the house to be all painted up, the gutterings, the gutterings all hung, all the windows clean. She was wanting everything to be in line and in order. She was on it. She was. Wanting Wanting to see great provision in front of her. But the whole time what is happening is she had just a little. But that little was a whole lot. She had a whole lot of little in her house. But she was becoming fickle in her spirit. Because she was seeing what she lacked rather than what she had. And you see that's what happens to us. You see what what, what we deal with is is we, we have to allow what we have to dominate our thought, to dominate our faith rather than what we lack. You see, insufficiency, blindness is what I've termed it. It's not a medical term. I, I'll give it as a spiritual term. We suffer from insufficiency, blindness oftentimes. It occurs when we become affixed on what we don't have. Because when we start focusing on what we don't have, it disallows us to see what we do have. And all of us have a whole lot when it comes down to it. I didn't do the research because I knew I wouldn't have time to express it all this morning. But but here's the thing about it. Do you realize if you even own a car, I don't care if you bought Nathan's Geo from him. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If you own Nathan's old Geo, you've still got more car than most people on the face of the earth. 
We have so much and don't even realize what we have. But insufficiency will, uh, blindness, it will cause us to, we'll get fixed on what we don't have and we will, it won't allow us to see what we do have. And then the cloud of lack, if you would, that cloud of lack will begin to cast shadow over the blessing that we do have. And it creates what I'm going to call the if I syndrome. The if I syndrome where, oh, if I only had a better job. Good place here for tithing message. If I only had a better job, I'd pay my tithes. No, you wouldn't. If you ain't paying them now, you wouldn't pay them if you was making 100000 a year. You know, it's, you just get that discipline in your life now. If I had a better job, if I had a better husband. Some of you women could say amen right there. If I had a better wife. If I only had better children, better kids. If I only had more education. If I, if I only felt a little bit better. If I only were ten years younger. You know, the if I's, the if I's, all of us have the if I's, but what we need to realize is the if I's would, the if I's will, can and do, it actually prevent us from moving into what God wants for us and has for us because we begin to, to cast all of our, the if I becomes a crutch, we cast all our weights on the if I's instead of realizing that we have a whole lot of little in everything that God has blessed us with. Your little may not seem like a much, your little may not be as much as the little person next to you has. Your little may not be, be be anything anybody notices, but here's the thing about it. If you will let your little be used, you have a whole lot of little and God will take it and multiply and use it for His kingdom and for His glory. So get over the if eyes. And here's the thing about God. Just because He can doesn't mean he does. Just because he can, doesn't mean he does. Now God is sovereign. God is a creator. He is the creative God. Everything exists, the scripture declares, exists at the hand of God. This, this, this is the God that, that spoke everything that does exist out of nothing. You know, uh, you know, if you, you're into physics or whatever and science and all that, you know, and, and I realize there's a place in that, but, but even when it comes down to it, you find that there's things that are unexplainable. It can only be from divine, divine creation. God, the creative, the creative God. But the creative God is not lit, does not limit himself to nothingness. Listen to me. He spoke everything into existence from nothing. But yet he doesn't limit himself to nothingness. He has a, God has a reputation of taking seemingly worthless goods, worthless material, and using it to accomplish his glory. Let me, let me give you some examples. The Bible says the earth was dark without void. It was without shape. God took, God took voidness. He took our earth without shape and he formed it into Right where we're at right now. We find that, that God took a handful of dirt. And out of that handful of dirt. He created a man. And his name is Adam. And out of that handful of dirt that he named Adam. 
He, he took a bone, a rib out of that dirt bag side and he created Eve. So you, you wives, if you ever look at your husband and call him a dirt bag, remember that's dirt bags where you came from. He took, a, he took a pot of water at a wedding. He could, he could have spoke the first miracle of Jesus. He could have spoke wine into existence, but he didn't. He took the water and he turned the water into the wine, the best wine for the wedding supper. Uh, about 15,000 people's gathered on the hillside, just got out of good revival service. But Jesus said, we can't send these people home hungry. Let's feed them something. He could have called manna down from heaven. You know, they, they had heard about it. They were uh, somewhat accustomed to it. The manna could have fell from heaven, suffice for everybody to eat on. But no, 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 Jesus said, let's don't do that. Let's go over here and take that little boy's lunchbox. It has five... Five loaves in it, and and it has two fish in it, and we're going to bless it, and we're going to break it, and about fifteen thousand people, when you calculate women and children included, ate off of that little boy's lunch, and then they took up, scraped up the fragments, and put them in baskets, and took them back home. You see, God uses substance; He uses the lack, if you would, to produce the need, and that's what He did with this woman. You see, everything in God's nature, everything in the order of God, if you study it, if you, if, if you've studied horticulture, if, if listen, and even if you've not studied horticulture, if you've ever planted a garden, if you've ever planted flowers, you know everything starts with a seed. Everything starts with a seed. Sometimes, most oftentimes actually, that seed is much smaller than what you hope to produce. Just a little kernel of corn produces a stalk about six foot high. And hopefully you're going to have four, five, six years of good corn on it. And it's going to be covered in little kernels of corn. And then you don't have to go to the drugstore and get you a new tube of polygrip so you can just eat it. But it starts from the seed. It starts out of the smallness, if you would. And the majority of time, the things that God has blessed us with will hold the key to open the door to resolve the circumstances that we are in. I want you to think about that. Whatever you're going through in life, this lady had seemingly lost everything. She had two sons. She's, they're getting ready to take her sons. She only has, she said, what, what, well, what do you have in your house? I don't really have nothing. Oh, you know what, except up at the top in the very back of that kitchen cabinet, there's just a little bitty vial of, of oil there. It, you know, it's, 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 it's anointing oil. It's therapeutic oil. It's, 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 it's for, for pouring in wounds when, like if we get cut or something like that. I, I, I have that little bit of oil. He says, you go and use it. You go and use it. You go and gather vessels together and you start pouring the oil out. And as you start pouring out, you're going to, this lady discovered. Now, I don't believe that she really understood, to be very frank with you. I don't think that she really comprehended what Elisha was saying to her. But what she did do, because she had a trust and a confidence in Elisha. A God-like trust. A God-like faith. A God-like hope. A Christian-like hope. 
hope if you would. She had that confidence in Elisha that she was just crazy enough to do what he said to do. She went home. She starts dragging out all the, you know, it, listen now for our house, when I was growing up, it probably wouldn't have been cannon jars. It would have been cool whip bowls. Any of y'all ever, any of y'all got them stacks of cool whip bowls in your house? Or maybe, what's that, uh, uh, crock, country crock butter bowls, you know. You got those stacks somewhere over in the corner. You know, you open, you know, thank God that stuff is soft because you open the cabinet door and all of it just falls right out on you, you know, and you thank God for them soft butter bowls. Yeah. At our house, we'd have went and got the butter bowls out. We'd have got the Cool Whip bowls out. We'd even got those little tin pie pans out, those little aluminum pie pans. You don't never throw them away because even if you don't want to eat out of them on Saturday so mama don't have to wash dishes, what you do is punch holes in them and put them on strings and tie them around the garden that keeps the crows out. That's the era I grew up in. Am I right? They begin to grab everything they could to take what little bit they had and it didn't make any sense and start pouring it out into these other containers. You can't tell me that this woman understood. You can't tell me that her... Uh, the, I can see these two kids. I, I can see... Let's call it Johnny and Billy. I can see, I can see Johnny looking at Billy and say, Mama's done went crazy. That thing, that thing don't have but just a couple ounces in it. And she's wanting us to carry jars from the cellar and everywhere else. I think she's lost it. But she acted in faith. She acted in faith because she had faith and confidence in the man of God, which is, if you would, represents again the Lord Jesus Christ to us in this illustration. And she had such faith in the man of God, in the word of God. She said, I had nothing. But she had been taken a victim. She had uh, she had mental issues uh, that, uh, not necessarily issues, but she had a mental uh, concept that there was no hope. She thought there wasn't anything I can do. She had an attitude of scarcity if you would she she had she did not have the means of processing a thought process that would allow her to get out of the circumstance she's in but what she did find was that she had faith in what the man of God said to her and she reacted in that faith she went home she shut the door with her two boys in the house and she began to pour out oil into jars that made no sense with oil that seemingly wasn't there And she began to fill and fill and fill and pour and pour and pour. And you go out and gather more jars. Go here, go there, get more jars. And the next thing you know, she says, bring me another jar. And Johnny says, Mama, they ain't no more. We done used them all up. They ain't a jar within 50 miles of this place. And she goes back to the man of God. And he says, take it, sell it, meet your debt, let your need be met. And then you take it and live off the rest of it. You see, a whole whole lot of little will go a long ways when we can release our faith in God and let Him bless it. Let Him multiply it. Let Him add to what we have. And avoid devaluing what we have. Don't never look down. Listen, I don't care if you are driving a a, a 15 or 20 year old Geo. 
that's rusted out and don't have any hubcaps on it. The paint's peeling off of it. Go out there and look at the back of my little ugly cube. It's always been ugly, but it's got uglier as time went on. The paint's peeling off the back of it now. But let me tell you what. That little cube got 276,000 miles on it. I'm not speaking a curse over it. It could, it could fall down in the road on my way back home. But God has blessed it. It's been run dry of oil because of a dealership left the oil filter loose. It's been run out of gas. It's been it's been it's been wrecked. It's been totaled. It's been through it all. But God has His blessing on it, and it has two hundred seventy six thousand miles. And Nissan ought to give me a new one just for doing this commercial for them. But bless God, it has His blessing on it. I receive it. I accept it, and I'm proud to ride my cube. Amen. And He will bless you in your circumstances. It's not about, hey, you could even have a rusted out ugly Ford truck. Be proud of what God has blessed you with. Park it right on the front row. Park it right beside my ugly cube. Your, your house, Elaine was talking about her house, and I've never been in their house, I've been by, but, but be proud of what God has blessed you with. It may, it may not be, it, it may, it may not be a mansion on the hilltop somewhere. It may be, a, it may be a cabin stuck down in a holler. It, 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 whatever it may be, you may not even own it, you may just rent it, but whatever God has blessed you with, thank God for what He's blessed you with, and use it for His glory, and thank Him for the blessing that He's given you in your life. And worship Him out of His goodness. Because a whole lot of little goes a long ways when it comes to the plan of God. All He wants is us to release our faith and use what we have for Him. And praise Him for what He's blessed us with. And God will multiply and He will add to it. Just like He did those loaves and fishes. Just like He did the water turning it to wine. Just like He created Adam out of the dust. And Eve out of the bone. God will bless what we have. Focusing on what we don't have will blind us to what we do possess. We will never be content with what we have until we praise Jesus for what we have. We will never be content with what we have until we praise Jesus for what we have. It just takes an act of faith. It took an act of faith. If you go to the epistle of James, that's the book of James in your Bible. If you go to the, the epistle of James, you find there that James gives some instruction and you put that in context. James is not saying we're saved by our works. But James is saying this, if we have faith, but we don't have works. And that means if, it's, if our faith is not put to action, it's dead. Now let me tell you something. Something's dead around our house. It may set a day or two, a month or two, maybe a little bit longer than that. But eventually that old flower pot, it's dead. It's going to get thrown out, in the dirt thrown out in the woods and the flower pot goes to the, to the dump.
If something's dead, the only thing you can do with something dead, there's two things that can happen. You can bury it or you can resurrect it. But when our faith comes alive, faith without works, James says, is dead. You see, works is the resurrection of our faith. Some of you in this room right now, some of you watching my live stream right now, you, you, you may have, your faith may have become dormant. That's a nice way to say your faith may have become dead. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you don't have any faith, but your faith is not dead. There's some of you saying, I'm too old. I can't do anything. Remember the if I's? If I was just a little bit younger. There's some, we, we could say it as a church here at Voice of Praise Worship Center. We could say, oh, if we only had just a few more people. If we only had this person in our church. If we only had this preacher. If we only had this uh, worship leader. If we only had this teacher. If we only had this. And if we only had that. Listen, that's not God is not causing, calling us to ponder over the if we only had. What God is calling us to do is to take what we have. To utilize it. To raise up with it. Go gather the jars. Right now, I don't care how old you are, go gather some jars because God is wanting to fill it up. I don't care how poor you are, go gather you some jars because God is wanting to fill it up. I don't care what whatever's going on in your life, go gather some jars and use what you have because God is wanting to fill it up. What do you have in your house? You have a whole lot of little. That oil, that oil, it was for healing. I, I make the assumption that lady knew that, you know, because moms, you know, we, we didn't have oil, we didn't have oil growing up in my house when I was a kid, but we had a bottle, a little bottle about this tall and it was brown and that stuff was, it was called mercuricone methylate. Any of y'all ever remember that? Who, who never heard of mercuricone methylate before? Who, ever, who never has heard of that? Some of you young, you never have. Oh, you wimp. You wimp. You never, you, you never knew any pain. You, you thought, listen, listen, you put the mercuric, mercuric we just call it methylate. Listen, I don't care. You could, you could have a cut that deep and that long and you pour that, took that little, get that little dauber out and you put that methylate in there. You forgot about the wound because you're just trying to get out of the pain of that methylate. It, castor oil, that's another good. We, we had some good stuff when we was coming. Paragork. Y'all ever remember Paragork? I shouldn't tell this, but I'm going to. But my mother had a little baby food jar uh, in the refrigerator and it was this clear liquid. My grandpa made it. You talk about curing a toothache? It would numb a tooth just like that. My mom would, I can remember her putting her finger down in it to, don't sound too sanitary now, but she'd put her finger down in it and, and, and rub it on my tooth, you know, on my teeth when I, when I, my adult teeth were coming in or my wisdom teeth. Boy, it would numb it just like that. They had all kind of good cures. This woman might not have known what that oil was for, but more than likely she did because she was a mom. That oil was for healing. 
But she thought that that oil, well, no doubt, was for healing of a of a wound. It was for healing of uh, of a disease. It was for healing of some kind of some kind of medical physical issue. But understand this: that that oil, that oil, that anointing, it was more than a healing for a wound. There was a wound there. It wasn't a physical wound. It was a wound of depression. It was a wound of oppression. It was a wound of poverty. It, it, it was a wound that uh, that she was about to lose her sons. And, and But she didn't realize it. She said, I don't have anything in the house. Oh, wait a minute. I do have just a little bit of oil. A whole lot of little goes a long ways. Take whatever God has given you. Take whatever God has given you and begin to pour it out. And start bringing the jars. And keep pouring. And keep bringing the jars. And keep pouring. And keep bringing the jars. Until you run out of jars. And when you run out of jars. God is saying to us. You got enough to cover the debt. You got enough to meet your need now. And you got enough to meet your need in the future. So just take a whole lot of little. And let God bless it. And take care of your needs. What we need to do right now. If you'll stand to your feet. We just need to recognize and praise Jesus for whatever we have for whatever he's blessed us with whether it be little or much we just need to praise him right now and let faith arise in our lives and allow him to bless it and allow him to use it and give thanksgiving for all that you have because God is just wanting to take what you have and use it multiply it for his glory So Father, right now as we stand before you, we lift our hands in worship, we lift our hands in praise. Lord, we adore you and we bless you and we acknowledge you as King of kings and Lord of all. Lord, you're a God of, you're the creative God. Lord, you can make something out of nothing. But Lord, you choose to create, Lord, out of inferiority oftentimes, Lord. And Lord, today, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of material. I don't have a lot of finances. I don't even have a lot of faith. But what I do have, God, I'm asking you right now to just use it, to multiply. I don't hold anything back from you today, God. But I release everything to you right now. I release everything to you. You, Lord, I release my thoughts. I release my mental capacity. I release my, what, 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 my, my material goods. I release everything. I release my physical abilities to you today. Lord, because even if it's little, it's a whole lot when you use it, God. So today, God, use what I have. Use what I have. And we thank you for the blessing. We thank you for the blessing. We thank you for the blessing right now, Jesus. Because you are good to us. And it's in your name we worship you. And we praise you. As you're standing this morning, I want to ask you a question in this room. You can look this way right now if you would. I wonder if there's one person in this room today. And you may not know the Lord is your Savior. What a... what a Any day is a good day to come to know the Lord. But you may have not have ever called on Him as your Savior and asked Him to forgive you of your sins and just acknowledged Him in faith as being Lord and God of all, including your life. In your, if you're in this room or if you're watching, and today you would like to make that proclamation of faith, 
I would love to be a part of that. Not that you owe me anything. Not that I'm worthy of being a part of your life. But I would like to be a part of it. Not only myself, but every other person, every other believer in this room would like to be a part of that as well. So if if you're in this room today, if you're watching at home or driving, wherever you may be, but especially in this room. If today you've never been saved, you've never made that proclamation of faith, but you would like to... Would you just raise your hand and say, hey, I would like for you to join me in the agreement. Anybody in this room right now. It's nothing embarrassing. In fact, it's one of the most glorious statements that anybody could ever make. Is there one person in this room? Just wave at me. Say, I'd like to make that proclamation today. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Young man, can I can I offer you the invitation to come down here in just a second? Sarah, give me my Bible there, or your Bible. Now we're not doing. You'll have to tell me your name again. Hey, my this is our friend Michael. First time I met him this morning, but. But Michael, we're glad we're, we're glad you're here. I don't stand out here. Most people are way taller than me, but you're not so much taller. Michael, I want you to look out here at all of these people, and all of these people out here. Every one of us have had the need of being redeemed, being saved by Jesus Christ. And it's not about so much about what we feel, but it's about, what it's about is what we believe. It's it's faith. And I don't know, you may have experienced God before in your life, but I want to share this with you just as a, a means uh, of, of encouragement. When we go into to the book of Romans, Paul wrote this to a very, very smart group of people, society of people, by the way. He says, the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, be saved. Uh, and when we read the rest of chapter 10, we find this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. You've heard a message this morning. The message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. So you've heard the word of God this morning. And what you, what the scripture is calling us to now is calling you to dis. In faith. Faith. You ever touched faith? You ever seen faith? You, not really. You can't really see it. You can't really see it. You can't touch it. Faith, faith is a belief in your heart. So right now, Mike, what I want to ask you to do, and ordinarily I'd have, I'd have a bunch of people come down here with COVID. We're, we're, we're trying to be obedient and distance ourselves. But right now, all these people, we're in your corner, man. We're cheering you on. Okay? What I want you to do, if you would with me, I, I want you just, just to pray along with me. I want you to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross that I can be saved. So today, I just want to say thank you, sir. And I accept the gift of your salvation 
I receive it into my life. Because of your word, I consider myself forgiven. And I believe by faith that you are my Savior and you are my Lord. I believe the word of God. It says, if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, that I shall be saved. So I do that, sir. I believe in you, Jesus. I confess you right now. I am saved. I'm born again because of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Michael, that is all you've got to do. Believe you've met the qualifications that are given in this word. And because of that, not what what you feel, not what somebody else tells you, but because of what this says, you're saved. Do you have a Bible? Do you? Okay. Okay, if not, we'll give you one before you leave here today. I want you all to give Michael a big cheer. All of this is all of this is now your family. Okay? Appreciate you, baby. Thank you for your braveness and your boldness to step out. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Michael, we're praying for you, young man. We're here for you. Reach out. Whatever you got might be a, might not be a, look like a whole lot, but take the little and give it to Jesus. Just take the little and give it to Jesus. I want to thank, man, what a remarkable day. Listen, if if there's anybody else in this room, are we still on there? Anybody else in this room? Anybody else at home? Call on the name of Jesus. He is faithful to forgive us of our sins. What a great time to do that this Thanksgiving week. If you if you need to rededicate your life, take the time. Rededicate yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ.